Web3 with me is a discussion style podcast about the ins and outs of Web 3.0, hosted by Zach French, known as Off Edge in the verse. From crypto to NFTs, DAOs to DeFi, we cover the abstract philosophical promises and the new business models enabled in this new decentralized world. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or watch the show on YouTube. Thanks and enjoy. Zach French is a bar certified attorney and nothing expressed by Zach during Web3 with me shall be considered legal advice. All the opinions expressed by Zach and his guests are solely their own opinions. All content in Web3 with me is for informational purposes only. Zach and his podcast guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed during Web3 with me. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for being listeners of Web3 with me. I want to take a few seconds to tell you about my exciting new B2B offering. It is the mission here to educate. I sincerely believe Web3 can make the world better for more people. Businesses shouldn't be left out, though, so I've launched The Web3 Coach. It's a bespoke education experience designed to help your team understand how Web3 affects your particular industry or company and identify opportunities unique to Web3. Whether you have a law or accounting firm with a growing number of clients participating in Web3 through crypto and NFTs, or you're a real estate syndicate looking for different ways to raise money, or teams just of fast-growing Web3 companies who want to understand your customers and your new teammates, I make sure you can talk the talk and leave feeling more confident about this crazy new world. Please take a minute to check out my website at theweb3coach.xyz. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. My guest today is Alexander Zwerner, founder of Kickback, a Web3 native podcast monetization application. His passion for Web3 and podcasting are only matched by his drive and determination throughout his life. He started his first company in middle school, authored a book by his sophomore year of high school, and self-taught himself to be an engineer. Now he has his sights set on the podcasting world and monetizing it to deliver more value back to podcasters. LFG baby, let's start vibing. Welcome to the show, Alexander. Yeah, really excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's awesome. I uh, I love meeting new people in this space because every time I meet someone new, I get reinvigorated and energized. <laughs> and we had an awesome conversation last week. Uh, we share a passion for podcasts. Uh, you, We're both creating in a unique way, which we'll get to in a little while. But I always want to start with uh, letting the audience get to know you a little bit better. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Alexander. Uh, I've been in the Web3 and audio space for the last five years or so. Um, started off in the music world, uh, did a lot of journalism, uh, talked to artists, went to concerts, uh, wrote a book about the history of hip hop. Um, so it was really, really heavy into the music journalism side and, you know, was getting up towards the end of high school. And I was thinking and looking at all the big music companies, you know, I always wanted, had this dream of, you know, helping creators in the music economy and building a big company off of that. And I looked at the companies that were out there, they're all tech companies. And I was like, well, I don't even know how to code. So how am I gonna do that? <laughs> um, so that was during COVID, uh, self-taught myself how to code uh, in backend and front end and all that type of stuff. And uh, created my first website, uh, my first company called Beatly Music. It was sort of like the Ron Tomatoes for music. Um, and you know, after leaving college or after leaving high school, I really got interested in a lot of the stuff 
that was revolving around Web3 and specifically NFTs. You know, I had a lot of these friends that were managers and artists, and I was talking to this manager, and he was talking to me about how one of his artists was making no money in music before the pandemic, and now he's making boatloads of money in, in, the, in Web3 and NFTs. And I was like, well, what even the hell are NFTs? So really got into uh, NFTs and the code behind it with Ethereum um, and was as part of like my, you know, sort of leap into this whole world of Web3, I started co-producing a lot of podcasts in the industry. So co-produced podcasts for Orange DAO uh, and MetaCartel and really got interested in a lot of things going on. And while I was in the podcast space, specifically, I was, um, while I was leading monetization at the podcast hatchery for Bankless DAO, which is one of the big uh, decentralized media companies, um, I was creating these NFT subscription models for podcasting. And, you know, everyone in the podcast hatchery thought it was wildly interesting. It was super helpful. And, you know, while I was creating it, I was like, oh, like this stuff could be useful for everyone, not just the podcast hatchery. Um, so sort of spun it off from Bankless DAO into my own company, which is what I'm working on right now, Kickback Podcasts. It's a Web3 podcast player playing on this idea of, you know, making money off your 1,000 true fans, connecting with your biggest fans, and, you know, getting upside for your attention on the platform uh, via, you know, sort of this listen-to-earn metric that we've seen with a lot of games. Um, instead of play-to-earn, we're doing listen-to-earn. Um, so really playing a lot into a lot of these really interesting Web3 technologies. Um, but yeah, it's a very exciting space. I've been in the audio industry for five five plus years, and I feel like this is sort of the culmination of everything I've done. That's cool. It's cool to have a culmination. I have to, I'm not to put you on the spot or anything, but you're actually the youngest guest I've ever had too. And you've already done all these things. Yeah. So I can't, I can't wait to see what happens over the next five to 10 years, um, <laughs> which we'll get to a little bit later. Uh, I do want to unpack uh, the book you wrote a little yeah. bit. Um, that's pretty cool. Like what, what was the foundation for that? Why did you decide I want to write a book instead yeah. of writing a blog or starting a podcast <laughs> or some other form of content? Yeah. You know, I've always, uh, you know, before all this music and all this audio type stuff, um, you know, I was a big time basketball player, uh, played pretty high level, thought I was going to go D1 originally. Um, and then, you know, decided to come to uh, a different, just a college, not for basketball, um, to pursue a lot of my academic dreams and hopes in the audio industry. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I played basketball really, really heavily in the Atlanta sphere. And, you know, in Atlanta, uh, you know, hip hop and basketball are so, so intertwined. Um, so that was sort of my like step into the or introduction to the music industry as a whole. You know, like we would, uh, you know, we where I played basketball for my travel team, we had a record studio right next to us. So we'd be coming in and playing basketball and there'd be people recording songs right next to us. You could hear it through the through the walls and all this stuff. It's crazy setup. Um, but, you know, I always really valued the basketball experiences I had. I feel like it was a big part of, you know, who I am today. And I sort of wanted to give back to that, you know, music and basketball scene um, in Atlanta. And so I wrote a book about the history of hip hop, sort of trying to, um, you know, expand on the history that was out there, uh, self-published it on uh, Amazon and, you know, decided to give everything, all the revenue I made from the book to uh, a lot of the foundations that were crucial to me and my teammates. Um, you know, the two biggest charities I give to uh, from that book are, you know, 100 Black Men of Atlanta which really helped support a lot of my teammates on my basketball team. And then the Atlanta Boys and Girls Club, which was also really integral to, you know, the spaces we were playing in as well. So it was music and music has always been a big part of 
where I've been in my life. Um, I sort of want to give back to it through that through that book that I wrote. That's cool. And kind of itch the social bug, which is good, mm -hmm. right? Like you're being very social con socially conscious. Um, I feel like that's a theme of both your generation and my generation, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're a little bit less concerned with profits, though we do realize they are necessary. Yeah. Uh, and a little bit more concerned with how, how can we give back, right? How can we have a bigger impact? Uh, I've been really focused on that lately, but I do want to ask you one more question. How long did it take you to write the book? What did, how did you do your research? What was your kind of method yeah. when you did it? I mean, that's that, that part is just intriguing to me. Yeah, you know, I did all this, you know, short form journalism, I would say. So, you know, 500 to 1,000 word pieces on musicians and songs and all this type of stuff. And, you know, from that, I had a lot of experience in sort of detailing the intricacies of music. Um, but I never really had any, like, you know, writing about history experience, right? So that was a, that was a completely new um, forte for me, uh, you know, how I really got into it to sort of get that background and to, you know, to eventually create that book. Um, you know, I talked with a lot of, you know, artists in the music scene, um, you know, people that were at the original like 1980s New York uh, party that started a lot of this hip hop scene. Um, and so really just went out there and, you know, network connected with a bunch of um, really, really interesting uh, musicians in the industry and then basically took all those experiences, uh, took a bunch of readings from the history already out there and sort of culminated it into uh, one book, which is uh, out there on Amazon. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So you kind of took like you were already writing about music. So yeah. you had an idea for the current scene of music very yes. well. So you knew what you would want, might want to learn about the, the previous history of music too. Mm -hmm. um, and then you just went on this journey, which it sounds like you just, you, you were happy to learn about this stuff yes. and, and share it with everybody else and synthesize it. And you were working towards a clear goal, which was like giving back, right? Um, yeah, yeah. That's super cool. That's super cool. So then you, you go off to college uh, you, after you've written this book. Uh, and are you uh, still promoting the book at all? Or are you kind of like at that point moving on to actually being a college kid? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I definitely want to go back and like sort of rewrite it. Um, I wrote it when I was super, super young, uh, like a sophomore in high school. So I uh, wrote like a 60, 70 page book in high school. Like I wouldn't say it's my best work. I think I've definitely really? grown. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> personally, I would say. <laughs> but uh, I, I've definitely grown as a as a writer since then. You know, that was sort of towards the start of my you know music journalism career. Um, I've definitely grown uh, since then. Done you know fifty plus articles uh, since that since the launch of that book. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I mean, it's definitely a a dream for me to you know, one day when I'm older, when I actually have uh, all this writing experience and go back and sort of just rewrite the whole book um, and do a music journalism part two and just do a, a whole like massive 200, 300 page uh, book about it. Uh, you know, I definitely, it was a really good learning experience for me. I think it definitely taught me a lot about, you know, sort of that long form writing, which I really didn't get before. Um, and sort of, you know, it was a good experience, you know, just giving back to, you know, something that I felt like it was so integral and, you know, you know, my life, uh, really when I was younger. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it definitely passion me, especially definitely a passion of mine, but yeah, I mean, I definitely want to rewrite it sometime in the future. We just have to figure out when. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah. Right now it's all about <laughs> kick, kickback, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, tell us a little bit more about this, um, 
uh, the the incubator that you were doing at uh, Bankless, I believe it's called the Hatchery, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so how did that come about? Yeah, so you know, I was working on um, this podcast for Meta Cartel, um, and it was actually a really big influence into what I'm working on right now, and actually led to you know the problems I've seen in the podcast industry. Um, so I was working on this podcast for Meta Cartel. And, you know, we had what, like one second. What, what is Meta Cartel? Just in case our audience is not. Yeah, familiar. sure. Well, so Meta Cartel is sort of like a investment DAO. Um, it has some of the biggest, um, you know, CEOs and founders in Web3 um, in this DAO. They basically give anywhere from 20 to 100K to the DAO. And then they invest that into Web3 companies. Um, you know, they're invested in big, big companies um, ranging from, you know, DeFi to, um, you know, com commercial consumer products. Um, and, you know, I reached out to them, said I had this experience co-producing podcasts for Orange Dow and other DAOs and said I wanted to help out and create this podcast for Meta Cartel. And, you know, we got connected, or I got connected with one of the, the admins, the leaders of the DAO, and we started working on this podcast. And, you know, unfortunately, right, there are tons of people that create podcasts out there and make no money. Um, and they do it because they just love it. Um, and that's their passion. Um, and we were sort of creating this podcast because um, we wanted to get the, the word out there about Web3. And, you know, the people that were working in it had, you know, big time jobs in Medicartel or investing all this money. Um, and so they needed like money to work, you know, like um, so it was uh, we unfortunately had to shut down Medicartel, the Medicartel podcast because it just wasn't making any money. And it wasn't going to make money for a long time. There's um, an opportunity cost of people's time. Yes, opportunity cost of people's time. And you know, these guys were like uh, one of the the guy that was going to host the podcast, a guy named Yaler, super super funny guy. Um, but he was like flying over to the Bahamas to talk to FDX and <laughs> flying all over the place. And he was just like, you know, I I love podcasting, but you know, this this is just making me way more money than I can do with podcasting right now. That's what um, makes just one quick aside. That's what makes the all in podcast. I feel like so crazy that these yes. people have like their <laughs> time value of money. They're probably worth what, like $10,000 an hour oh, yeah, minimum uh, for all those guys over there. So yeah, I get his point. I mean, sometimes it's not worth it. So, but you know, hats off to all in for continuing <laughs> to do it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, so basically it was just like, you know, I just don't see a place for, for this podcast to make money, you know, just no podcasts make money in web three or in the, in the general podcast industry. And so we have, you know, unfortunately had to shut down the podcast. I had a really good time, loved the people I was working with. Um, but you know, I had to move on and sort of, uh, took that experience and definitely played a big, big role in what, you know, eventually became kickback, but was searching around for, you know, new opportunities. Um, you know, Bankless DAO is, you know, pretty well known. Uh, they're a subsidiary, essentially, of Bankless HQ, um, which is one of the biggest podcasts in Web3. And so I joined the DAO, you know, reached out to the person that was launching or was uh, the head of this podcast hatchery. And essentially, the podcast hatchery, for people that don't know, is, um, you know, this group of people who come together to just pump out Web3 podcasts all day, every day. Um, so we, we currently have three podcasts that have been created from this sort of incubator uh, within Bankless DAO. Uh, and we're planning on creating you know, a number of more, uh, several more podcasts after that. Um, but you know, I, I joined the DAO and I was in this uh, podcast hatchery joining the meetings and talking to these people. And 
they loved podcasting to death. These would just do podcasting if they're making no money ever. <laughs> and they absolutely loved it. And the but the problem was they had no clue how to make money, like with any of this stuff. They weren't even like looking at it, right? Because like for them, they cared about creating the episodes. And so they didn't really care about, you know, going out there getting sponsors or going out there and getting grant money. Um, so they, they really just had, they had like 20 people working on podcasts and zero people working on monetization, um, which I thought was crazy. So I, I came in and I was like, hey, you know, I'll go out there. I'll try to figure out this monetization stuff. You guys work on the podcast and we'll, we'll come together and make this a real podcast. You know, podcasts for five, 10 years make that sort of sustainable podcast. They got to be making money. And, uh, you know, the whole drive for the podcast hatchery is to create, you know, long lasting podcasts. And, you know, for me, I was like, well, we got to be making, we got to be making money with these. if We want to make it long lasting. Um, so came in there, started creating monetization. And for us, you know, like we wanted to, to create stuff that was, you know, unique to web three podcasts, right? You know, like we've seen a lot of web two podcasts and they make money with, you know, sponsorships um, or, you know, host read ads, you know, those are the real ways that podcasts make money in web two. And, you know, if you look at the podcast industry, that's really just not working out, you know, like the podcast industry has 500 million global listeners, yet it makes 95% less than the music industry, which has a similar amount of global listeners. So there's like clear deficiencies in the monetization side of podcasts. Um, and so we were really thinking a lot about, you know, how do we create things that are super unique to Web3 and specifically podcasting? Um, and, you know, what we were really thinking about is ways in which to, you know, sell NFTs for a lot of the um, either subscriptions of the podcast or through episodes of the podcast. You know, we've seen a lot of experimentation with um, this idea of NFT subscriptions and NFT episodes. Um, and so we were really like leading the charge for that. You know, I think the, the only other podcast that we've really seen that has done anything in that sector was a podcast named Rehash. Um, they sell NFT episodes of all their episodes. They sort of, every time you buy an episode, you get put into a DAO where you can vote on guests and um, the questions for the next guest and all really exciting things. Um, and so for me, I was, you know, creating the super interesting stuff for podcasting um, and sort of spun it off with that last experience from Metacartel. I was like, you know, like this, this monetization problem is much, much bigger than the podcast hatchery. You know, all podcasts struggle to make money. You know, the real only way to make money right now in the podcast industry is to just sell your podcast to Spotify, right? Joe Rogan, a bunch of these other podcasts have done all this type of stuff just to sell their podcast to Spotify because they're just not making the same amount of money that they would if they sold their podcast to Spotify, right? Like Joe Rogan made, I think it was around a hundred million dollars or something ridiculous, you know, sure. he would have never made that money with sponsors in the traditional Web2 monetization tactics. So the clear choice for him was to sell his podcast. And, you know, he's had some guff from that. Um, you know, he's had a lot of uh, pushback from the Spotify company. You know, he said some controversial things. And it's sort of shown, like, selling your podcast to Spotify may be great, like, monetization-wise. Like, that may be the best way to make money. But you lose a lot of that sort of creative freedom. Um, so a kickback, we're trying to keep that creative freedom make allow creators to make more money than they would selling their money or selling their podcast to Spotify um, and do some really exciting stuff with Web3. Uh, you know, I think the technology, you know, we've seen a big influx of Web3 technology into music, but we've seen almost none in uh, podcasting. And for me, like music is a mature market. You know, I know like artists don't make that much money. And I've been in the music industry. I, I know it like firsthand. Um, but 
you know, the music market is much, much more mature than podcasting. Podcasting, I has hasn't hit mainstream yet. Like there hasn't been, uh, you know, there isn't like a Drake, a podcasting, maybe Joe Rogan, you can call him that. Um, but there hasn't really been this real influx of mainstream podcasts. That everyone knows. Um, and I think that's really just because, you know, podcasts just aren't making money. Um, and I think that once we sort of fix that with some of this Web3 technology that we're implementing, um, you know, we really have some really exciting podcasts that come out of it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited about the space. I think Web3 brings a lot of interesting technology into it. I think podcasting is one of the best places for it. Yeah, I think, you know, as I as I listen to you, I think of like a few differences between music and podcasting. And I also yes. think of like there is a lower barrier to entry to podcasting. Yes. I have a mic. Completely. I have I have a <laughs> webcam. I don't even technically have to have the webcam. Right. Um, there is a few differences. Right. There is one. Anybody can start a podcast and get their their name out there. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of podcasts. Right. Yes. That doesn't mean there's not a lot of music, too. But like and I'm sure it's a lot easier to make music nowadays than it was 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. 20 years ago. But also, um, which is kind of ironic because Web3 is very much financialization first. Yeah. Um, in music, uh, at least, you know, maybe maybe not quite this generation, but like right before Spotify, like people expected to pay for music. I don't know if people, have, they don't expect to pay for podcasts. Yes. So when they do, it's almost like there's this higher burden of either mm-hmm. I really, really, really love this podcast uh, or I get tangible value from it. Because like I, I always compare me and my wife. Like I listen to podcasts just to learn about business technology, Web3 mm-hmm. broadly, just because I'm a hyper curious person. Um, but my wife is a real estate agent and she only listens to real estate podcasts. Right. And yeah. like she finds the ones that are going to give her the most practical examples. And I bet if they gave her enough good content, she would go and buy their course or something mm-hmm. like that. I think that's kind of boring. Um, but like I think as we transition into Web3, like Web3 is going to present like a whole new level of building a community yes. um, that I feel like can grow on the current model, which the I think you and I have talked about this before. The only successful monetization of community that I've been in in, in our world, I'll call it our world, yeah, has <laughs> uh, been acquired, right? Mm-hmm. Acquired, you know, it's $99 a year. You get access to a Slack and there's really good, smart people in the Slack where you can go yes. get to know them. I've even gotten an intro to a VC for my friend's business idea because of this in like uh, in medical diagnostic testing, like not some, <laughs> you know, like plain consumer company kind of VC. Um, so there's a lot of value there. I don't know how repetitive that is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, when you were at the hatchery and there were these couple podcasts, did they already have listenerships and they just still weren't making money or were they still in like build mode where, you know, they may have a, you know, maybe 50, a hundred people listening to their podcast. What, what, what like position in the podcast growth were they? Yeah. You know, so all these podcasts are relatively small and the real question we came up with the podcast hatchery, right? Is this, you know, we're creating this NFT fan membership style that would sort of bring that acquired model into web three. Um, you know, the big question is, you know, how can small podcasts make that money, right? Like, you know, if they have a small listenership, there's a note, there's a guarantee that those listeners are all going to buy NFT fan memberships, right? And the, the real value of a community is the size of it, right? Like if you have a thousand, 10,000 uh, members in that fan community, it's super valuable because you can connect with other members and you know connect with the hosts and do a lot of exciting stuff. 
Uh, but for smaller podcasts, isn't necessarily a great addition. Um, you know, in the podcast hatchery, we have three podcasts. Um, and for us, we really only saw the, the real application of NFT memberships to be with the uh, Bankless DAO podcast. You know, this is a podcast that directly talks with Bankless DAO members, you know, helps educate the rest of the DAO, which has 10,000 members um, and was super, super valuable, which meant that it would be much, much easier to, you know, create an NFT fan membership because it's directly tapping into that DAO community that's already created. Um, so for them, you know, even though it's a small podcast with 500,000 listeners, it was super, super valuable um, because they can sell a lot of NFTs because they're tapping into that already created community. Um, you know, for smaller podcasts, right, it's like, cool, you're creating these NFT fan memberships, but how do those smaller creators make money, right? And so for us, you know, what we're trying to create is, you know, sort of two sides to the coin. So on one side, we're going to have these NFT fan memberships for the creators that get to 10,000 monthly listeners and beyond to make, you know, real money off their 1,000 true fans. Um, but for the smaller creators, right, the question is, how do those guys make money? You know, those have always been the people that have been left out. Um, and that because of that, a lot of these smaller creators eventually give up because they're just not making money. Um, for us, we're trying to create this, you know, automated advertising system for the creators. You know, we're taking uh, 50, you're doing similar to YouTube, we're taking a 50-50 ad revenue and creating ads that play before every single uh most podcast episodes on the platform. Um, you know, for us, this is going to allow the smaller creators to submit their RSS feed to our platform and instantly start making money. You know, when you see on Spotify or Apple, you submit your RSS feed, you're not making any money, right? Until you have thousands and thousands of fans. You know, for us, because we have this automated ad system on the platform, that means these super small creators that are only getting 100, 100 to 1,000 listens every single episode can instantly start making money. And, you know, for me, one of the biggest things that motivated me to get into the tech industry as a whole and the music journalism industry as well, you know, I started off with my own blog called uh, ATL Vibes when I was like, like middle school. Uh, I was like, vibes, right? Like super cool. Um, <laughs> that's, that's insightful, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I still say vibes every day. So yeah, still, vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm from Atlanta, got the vibes. So ATL yeah. Vibes made sense to me. Um, but, you know, for me, when I was that super small writer, I was like, man, I'm making no money. But I put my website on uh, Google Ads. So I had Google Ads on top of my website. And that was like the first dollar I made in writing. And I was like, wow, like I made like I this may be the start, but like this is so cool. I can actually make money from what I love doing. And I thought it was so amazing. Um, so for us, you know, we want to have that experience with all these small podcasters where they say, wow, like my podcast can make money even like I, all I have to do is just create good content. Um, and so for us, we think that's a really powerful experience. Um, you know, what we're really trying to do is, um, you know, there's been this big, uh, article in the web three space, um, this idea, you know, like TikTok, for example, right. They created this sort of creator, um, this creator grant program. So essentially, um, or they paid creators essentially. So they had around 100 to $200 million put away for this program. And essentially, every big creator, they get 0.001 cents per view or something like that. And that really benefited the big creators and made TikTok a long lasting platform that has creators coming back time and time again because they know they're going to make at least a little bit of money from the platform. 
uh, that only affects the hundred thousand followers plus. Um, and so that, that gets the big creators getting money in, but you know, for kickback, we're already, we're already planning on, you know, funding those creators by having them launch their NFT DAO communities. Right. So they don't need, you know, another influx of money for us. We're thinking about taking, you know, sort of our 50% ad revenue, um, and giving that back to the creators by, um, creating this sort of grant program for small creators. So essentially we're going to take, you know, say we have $1,000 that comes in from ad revenue, we're going to take $500 and put that towards a grant program and go find those small creators that we really enjoy and say, hey, we want, to fund, we want to fund you to take it to the next level for your podcast, get you editing software, get you mics, and all, that, all that's going to be done through our grant program. So for us, we're, we're really having a big focus on the small-time creators, you know, allowing them to make money through that ad revenue, and then also sort of having them level up um, through that grant program and hopefully, you know, one day create that NFT fan community and start making, you know, real substantial money. Um, you know, that's the real experience we see currently in the podcast world. There's a lot of big, big podcasts and there's a lot of small podcasts that eventually taper off. Um, and we really want to make sure there's big, big podcasts, even bigger podcasts with NFT fan communities. And we have those smaller creators, um, you know, never taper off because, you know, they're doing something they're passionate about and they're making, you know, a decent amount of money every month. Um, you know, that's where we really see the vision of kickback being. Um, I think the Web3 technology can really create it. Um, we just have to you know, implement it. I mean, it sounds like you're, first of all, this hits home hard because <laughs> I, I mean, this is, this is my issue, right? Like, yeah. I, and I don't know if I even like to call it an issue because I'm doing what I love, right? Yes. Getting out here, talking to smart people in Web3 who are as passionate about it as I am mm -hmm. from all over the place. And I just want to go make content. Right. Yes. Like I don't want to, I have a great producer at pretty easy podcast, holler at him mm -hmm. if you need it. Uh, you know, like it, it, I just want to interview people and learn and not focus on that. Although I do understand that it is important. It's not that I am naive to the fact that I need to make money from this at some point, but yeah. it's always kind of been that like, I need to produce a lot of great content first because there's yes. always the catch 22 of like, yeah, you can monetize, but you can't monetize. So you have a big audience. So it sounds yes. like what you're trying to do is you're trying to create like a middle class of podcasts. Yes. Right. Yeah. And like, instead big... of just having like the stuff that slowly tapers off the, you know, mm -hmm. the lower socioeconomic podcasts, if you will, and mm -hmm. then just the outstanding ones, which we can talk about a little bit more, later but a lot of those people just at least in in one area usually have the same guests over and over yes um <laughs> you know like how and, and in order to do that you kind of need the buy-in from some big podcasts to help the little guys kind of move up right mm -hmm. like if you're going to mm -hmm. be you know putting the ads of the small podcasts in front of the big podcasts and then splitting that with the little podcasts the big podcasts are going to want to one, see some portion of that revenue, but two, yes. like just kind of have the collective good in mind. Um, have you thought about how you're going to recruit people for this at all without giving any way any trade secrets? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I would love to hear it because I, I yeah. have joined. Oh, oh, disclaimer I joined Kickback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, we're doing that ad revenue share similar to YouTube. Uh, 50 50 right um so we have 50 percent of revenue that we're taking you do anything with that right so you know what we're really looking to do with that money is to give back to listeners um you know we're gonna do this through a monthly lottery right so 
um, give back to those listeners through a monthly lottery for you know five hundred dollars or anything like that. Do giveaways for listeners and stuff like that. Um, but in addition to that, give back to those you know sort of middle class of podcasters. Um, you know, podcast industry is wild, right? You know, you talk to podcasters and they tell you up and down si- and sideways that they don't care about making money. Um, and that is wild to hear, right? Who, who doesn't care about making money for doing something they're passionate about, right? And you can do it more. <laughs> and that's crazy. Everyone says it. Um, and for me, and like you see a lot of these quotes from these, uh, you know, these founders and, uh, you know, like Ford, for example, um, Henry Ford talked about, you know, if I talk to people about what they wanted, uh, they would say a faster horse, not a car. Um, and for us, you know, you talk to podcasters and they would say they want discoverability. They want this. They want that. And, you know, ask them about monetization. They're like, oh, I don't care about monetization. And you're like, what? Like, you don't care about monetization? You don't you don't care about buying equipment for your podcast to make it better? Um, so it's, it's a crazy world. You know, the music world, if you if you told a musician, hey, you're making no money for your pot for your music and you're going to like it they would be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and so the podcast world is, it's a, it's a, it's a strange industry that this has come commonplace. Um, and so we just believe it's, it's wildly uh, deterrent to the, you know, the normal human behaviors, you know, like we believe that, you know, podcasters that make good content should be rewarded for it. Um, and so we're trying to create the, the ecosystem for that. And uh, we, we really think it's, it's, it's a big problem podcasting. And we think if we can fix it, we can, really allow a number of really high quality podcasts to be brought out of it. Um, and we think this sort of middle class for podcasts is an important part. You know, we see big podcasts out there. If you talk to listeners, they really only know the big podcasts, right? They know Joe Rogan, you know, Tim Ferriss, um, but that middle class, of, middle class of podcasts really, you know, gets not really that much shine onto it, right? Because and this is another problem of podcasting we're trying to address as well. You know, the discoverability of it, it just, it just isn't good right now. Um, you know, like you look, go on Spotify, you'll see the top 10 podcasts, top 100 podcasts. Small podcasts can say goodbye. Like they're not getting any discover beyond. Not, not unless it's word of mouth. <laughs> yes. Not unless it's word of mouth or on Twitter, right? Yeah, so uh, those platforms, and this is, this is one thing we've heard from all podcasters is that discoverability is just not good. Like if you're a small podcast, you're going to struggle because you need that that either those TikTok views, those Twitter likes uh, to get listeners. And on, on those platforms, they're not getting any views. Um, you know, that's, you know, we've seen with, you know, Spotify and Apple, these super high tech AI machine learning playlists that have allowed small time musicians to blow up, right? And that hasn't been done in podcasting, right? They like, control it, so much of the market, Apple Podcast does. Yes, they no control so much of the market. And they just haven't created that, right? And like, you look at iTunes, right? Before this whole sort of uh, machine learning created uh, playlist, and the only people that were really making money on there were the big names, you know, the Justin Bieber's, the Drakes, because those are the people getting featured on the playlist or on the homepage of iTunes, right? And then when Spotify and Apple came along and they had these sort of, you know, recommendation models that brought these smaller artists up for you to listen to, you know, that really brought a lot of smaller artists, artists into the scene. Um, and TikTok has really, you know, ex- propuls- propulsioned that as well, as they have a bunch of these sort of sounds that have really allowed smaller artists to blow up. Uh, and none of that happens in podcasting, which is crazy. Um, and we really think that's a big problem as well. We're trying to create machine learning playlists uh, s- similar to what Spotify has done for music in podcasting, you know, bring these sort of new episodes to podcast. Uh, you know, one of the 
big other big things we're going to allow to do uh, allow users to do is you know clip podcasts and send them to their friends. We have some other stuff in the works to you know increase discoverability as well. I won't say them now, um, but yeah, you know we really think discoverability is a big issue with these middle middle of the road podcasts and has really hurt the industry as a whole, in my opinion. Um, you know the big podcasts are the ones that have these big budgets that are backed by these big big companies you know a16z has a big podcast you know why they have a big budget <laughs> they're a massive company and they could do podcasting for free for a long time and they uh, have the brand they have the brand equity already they got the brands you know yeah. it's like these these smaller podcasts they just they don't have that and discoverability on the platforms is non-existent um you know like the only way i find web3 podcasts right now i gotta google search them and on That's spotify if you're trying to find a, a good podcast to listen to the really only way I do it is I go to the top hundred podcasts, right? And that, that puts out thousands and thousands of podcasts that just can't get into that list. Um, and it's a, it's a big problem. You know, there, there are big problems in the industry. Um, and a lot of these big players, Spotify and Apple, they've just been very distracted, right? Spotify has audiobooks, They got podcasts, they got music. Um, Apple has really put a big focus on Apple TV and Apple music. Apple podcast has really been put to the side. Um, you know, these big players have just largely been distracted um, and haven't really addressed some of these bigger issues. And, you know, for kickback, we're trying to be a podcast platform only right now. Um, you know, I won't say that in five, 10 years, we move the music, you know, that's definitely a possibility. But for us, we're trying to create a very good platform for podcasting, not not for, you know, music and audiobooks right now. Um, and for us, we're trying to address those big problems that we see over and over and over again. And just seems like these big platforms won't address. Um, so I, I think it's, it's really, really important. Um, I'm super passionate about the industry and I think it's a big, big problem that needs to be fixed by someone. If no one's going to fix it, then I'll fix it. You know, like that's how I see it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I've just, I'm hearing you speak and I, I hear your passion and I feel the problem of the small podcaster that yeah. is me. Um, <laughs> and I think about, you know, so you started in music, you've, you've, you, you've identified the fact that like, music was able to monetize at a greater scale and grow yes. kind of like a middle class of musicians. Mm -hmm. um, and now you want to do the same thing for podcasts, I guess. What other like alignments from like a first principles perspective do you see for the listener of music and the listener of podcasts? Yeah. You know, the podcast world is very different from the music world. Um, you know, I think it's ripe for, you know, big, big changes in it. Um, you know, in the music industry, there's record labels, there's big artists, um, and the podcast industry, you know, there's just individual podcasters, um, which means it's a lot easier to, you know, talk to the Joe Rogans and those big players. Um, so I think it's, it's a really big industry to, you know, sort of take a share of right now. Um, you know, on the listener side, there's, you know, there's big differences between mu music listeners and podcast listeners. Um, and I think that's part in the fact that, um, you know, the Spotify music and podcasts and audiobooks just isn't really working out right now because I listen to music in a very different way from when I listen to podcasts, right? When I'm working out, I listen to music to get me hyped up, right? When I'm like putting the laundry away, I listen to a good old fashioned podcast or when I'm working, I put a good old fashioned podcast on, on the back burner just so I can like have some background noise. So music and podcasts are a two completely different worlds, right? You know, they, they have a lot of similarities in the sense that you know, it's audio through headphones or through your phone. Um, but they're very different ways that are listened to. And I think 
a lot of these big players have been taking this approach of, oh, audio is audio. It's the same thing. We don't really have to worry about it. Um, and I've been in both, right? Like I can see the big differences uh, firsthand between the two industries. And I think like with podcasting, like a lot of these companies have to realize that these podcast listeners are listening in a very different way from, from music listeners. And I think that's an important thing to look at. Um, you know, for us, we're, we're creating a lot of things that are antithetical to the, you know, general podcasting idea right now, right? Like the general idea of podcasting is that people put on a podcast, they put it on their phone, they put it in the, you know, Bluetooth to the car and they just drive. Like there's no active involvement on a podcast app right now. Um, and so we're really trying to change that, you know, we're trying to allow for, you know, guests and our, sorry, for listeners of podcasts to be able to discover new podcasts through an app through. And then in addition to that, you know, connect with other listeners of the podcast, you know, the podcast hosts all through an app, which is, you know, very, very different from where, how podcast apps are, are right now, right? Right now, podcast apps are sort of invisible, right? People go to a podcast app, they click on a button and they put it away. They never look at it. You know, on music, it's a little different, right? Like you go into a music app and you, you swipe through a little bit, you look at the playlists, you look at the trending songs, and you do a lot more discoverability on that. With podcasts, it's very, very different, right? Like they, everyone has their one or two podcasts they listen to. They go to the Spotify or Apple app. They click on it. They press play. That's it. So there really is no discoverability on those apps. And it's very much a background player, right? No one, no one really uses a podcast app. You know, no one sits on their phone and goes, oh, yeah, for the next 30 minutes, I'm just going to look through podcasts, look through the charts. Like that doesn't happen. Um, uh, wait, 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 wait. Before I go on a long run, I spend about 20 minutes looking for the right podcast. Okay, 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 okay. Maybe, maybe some, maybe that, some. That's the exception that proves the yes. rule. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of listeners that, you know, they just, they just put it on the background. They don't really worry about it and that's it. Um, and for us, we think there's a real market for people, you know, if we create the right tools for people to go on an app and discover a new podcast, discover a new episode for 20, 30 minutes every day. Um, you know, for me, like, you know, like I said earlier, the way I discover podcasts and web three is I go on Google, right? I, like last I've week, had people my, find me on Google. Yes. That, like, that's the way that that's really the way, like the way to find web three podcasts right now, you go on Google or you go on Twitter. Um, and you know, I, I half the podcasts I've listened to right now, I didn't discover them through Spotify or Apple. I, uh, went on Google and I said, best web three podcast right now. And I looked through a top 10 list and I clicked on an episode and listened to an episode and then I moved on or I continued listening. Right. And it's like, yeah. it's and most a, of those articles people pay to be on. Yes. Most <laughs> of them they, they pay to be on. So, so it's a, uh, you know, there isn't a platform out there right, that you can find, you know, episodes and podcasts that are interesting for you uh, unless they're in the top 10, top hundred podcasts in the world. Uh, can I brainstorm so they, with you a bit? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so there's a few things you said that are interesting, if I could sum them up. One is music and podcasts have very different listeners, and yes. I tend to agree. If I'm trying to do good thinking on my own, mm -hmm. then I am listening to music. If yes. I'm trying to learn about something, then I'm listening to podcasts. Yes. If I miss half of a song, I don't give a shit. If I miss half of a podcast, what End was the, the point of listening? Right. Yeah. Like I got to re-listen. I got to, I got to rewind it back. Oh man. Yes. I zoned out for a little while while I was running or something like that. Um, so it, it, you know, and, and I think the, 
the thing that keeps people coming back to podcasts isn't who the podcaster is most of the time, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe some of us like serial listeners, which I would consider myself, like I've, I think Patrick O'Shaughnessy is the best podcast host because he pulls the best content out of his guests. Yes. And I give his guests a lot of content, uh, a lot of credit for that because they're very advanced in their fields. But other than that, I mean, people are going into podcasts and they're finding by industry or they're finding by person. Mm -hmm. So it really comes down to the content. Yes. Right. You're not, I'm not, not going to listen to a song because it has certain words. Right. And obviously that does not include like hate words and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But like, <laughs> but like if the lyrics are, don't quite speak to me, I'm not going to stop listening if I like the way it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. Right. So what is it that you can learn from the content of podcasts like mine? Since of course it's the best. Uh, of course. <laughs> like, you know, like, can you feed, like, could you take the transcripts from these things, feed them into a machine learning algorithm and actually produce quality insights for the people so that when they're scrolling through, they're actually like the more time they spend on that 30 second to a minute clip or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. they're looking at, they can be like, well, actually this podcast has a ton more of that quality content that you seem to like, yes. um, you should go check it out. And by the way, because this is a smaller time podcast, you got to help them out. Give them 10 bucks a month, give them five bucks a month, you know, something like that. I don't know if that's, is that something you've thought about in terms of like dissecting the transcripts and doing sentiment analysis of the actual content of these podcasts and matching that with people? Yeah. You know, the podcast machine learning world is, untapped right now to say the least right and you know i think there's a lot of different ways we can really tap into it you know i think transcripts are a big big part of that um but when you look at podcasts you know transcripts are not a widespread thing yet you know like there isn't you know people put on transcripts by themselves there isn't like the platforms don't do that for you um right. you know with with lyrics that just comes with right which is a very different world um you know i think there's like i said there's just there's a lot of things when you really look at podcasts, you're like, why is this the way it is? You know, why do podcast hosts accept no money? Why are there no transcripts, like auto-generated transcripts by these big platforms? And why can I not discover any smaller podcasts? <laughs> um, and there's a, there's a lot of things that are like, why is this the way it is? This shouldn't be the way it is. It's not the way it is in music. Um, but podcasts, is, it's a very, uh, you know, young market. You know, podcasts have really only come into to real mainstream the last two to three years, um, I would say, you know, one of the big catalysts for that was the, the Elon Musk, Joe Rogan podcast, right? That was when everyone was like, wow, like, what is this? <laughs> this new form of media. Um, yes, yeah, <laughs> that had exactly, a lot to do right? with it. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely like hit the, hit the main lean, uh, mainstream media. Um, but I think there's a lot of ways we can really tap into that machine learning. I think transcripts are a big way. Um, I think looking at user generated content right now is a big way. Um, you know, one of the big ways that TikTok has incredible, uh, machine learning models is they have all this, you know, they, they track everything from the, from the user. So if you like a episode, you like a, or you like a TikTok and you search for a, a, a follower or you follow some new account, they're going to use all that to serve you the best content. Um, for us, we're really trying to create the machine learning models in a way that, you know, doesn't just put up the biggest podcast in the world for you. Um, you know, go, you go on Spotify right now and you listen to A16Z crypto podcast and you're going to get a bunch of massive podcasts, right? You're not going to get any of the small players. 
And for us, you know, we're really trying to be cognizant of that and sort of create almost like a SoundCloud for podcasts, right? This, this place where these smaller podcasters can really just show up in the algorithm. Um, and, you know, obviously like we're going to see if this is effective for, for people. I mean, like in my opinion, I think it's going to be effective, right? Like if we show smaller podcasts and they show over and over again, that these podcasts are turning out results, people are listening to them, listening to them longer and more once we show them in their feed, then it doesn't make sense to not show them up. Right. And I think a lot of algorithms right now, Spotify, um, it's, it's very, it's very tough because they really only show the biggest podcast and that's it. Um, the smaller podcasts, they aren't really shown at all. Um, and I think it's a big problem with the machine learning models right there. I think transcripts and really feeding into that user data is really important for those machine learning models that we're going to create. You don't really have an idea who your listeners are. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I, with music, maybe still a problem, right? Yeah. Um, so like, why would podcasts that don't generate much revenue get that? I mean, this is like the conundrum. Like when you, there's plenty of articles out there and they're not wrong that say like podcasts are losing business, right? Yes. But at the end of the day, there's so many people like us, like, like there's tons of people out there that listen to these things. And it's like one of their favorite things to do Yes, is listen to podcasts. So how mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I'm, I'm, now that I'm like thinking about this, it's kind of like running, right? Like there's this elite, like, like just culture, like really strong culture around running, but mm -hmm. it's been really hard to monetize running. Right. There's like all the apps for running are like, okay, Strava, shout yeah. out. You're, you're pretty good. Uh, or they <laughs> sell out to Nike or they sell out to ASICs and then, you know, they kind of go downhill a little bit. Right. So like, how can we create the, uh, the way for people to just like get the value out of podcasts that they want? And I don't, it might not all be learning. In fact, most of the people I talk to are like, I just like to listen to like true crime. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never listened to one, but I mean, it seems to be something that is popular. Uh, there's probably plenty of true crime in Web three for us to explore. <laughs> we could go down the rabbit hole of finding influencers. Yeah, like Silk Road. Yeah, like <laughs> Ross Ulbricht. We're interviewing Ross Ulbricht this week. Um, but yeah, man, it's a, it's a, it's an uphill battle. I commend you for fighting it. I will be here for this. Uh, and as a as a small podcast who feels like I put out really good content um, and I don't focus a lot on monetization, not because I don't care about it. It's because it's secondary. Yeah. Right. Right. Primary is I want to learn and I want to teach my audience because I'm talking to people that have good stories to tell, uh, that have interesting content to share with people, interesting learnings. And they're not the same 10 people that you've heard rotating between all the big podcasts. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I still listen to those people. I'm not saying that shouldn't happen um, because there's a reason those people are out there. Right. Um, whether they're promoting a new book where they've taken their you know, tens, 20 decades of experience and synthesized mm -hmm. it into something valuable. There is value there, but I think there's also a lot of value to maybe a thousand people about, you know, Web3 with me or yeah. about another smaller podcast. Mm -hmm. um, because like my friends that listen to it, like they enjoy it, right? Like they isn't, they're listening to it because they're my friend, right? Like to get them there is still just a friend thing. But mm -hmm. once they listen to it, they call me or I have friends that'll write you know, tweet threads about it, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not like they're not getting anything out of it. So like, how do we democratize that knowledge that people are getting from podcasts? I think is yeah. the ultimate question. Yeah. I mean, you look at Spotify and 
you know, they're going through this, this very centralized approach right now, you know, they're really trying to move away from RSS feeds, which have really, you know, previously decentralized the whole industry. Um, and in addition to that, they're really centralizing a lot of the content on the platform, right? Like you go into Spotify, they are promoting their own content, right? Mm -hmm. You go on there, you see Spotify originals and that's it. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's the first thing you're going to see. And then after that, you're going to see the top big podcast. And that's, that's pretty much the end it goes for Spotify. For us, we're trying to, you know, take this really decentralized approach, right? Like we're trying to, we're trying to bring in RSS feeds and make that a, a, a mainstay for us. And in addition to that, really decentralize the, the learning and the content on there by bringing in those smaller podcasts. Um, so I, I really see it as a centralized versus decentralized battle uh, between Spotify and us. And, you know, I, I think what we've seen with Web3 is that decentral decentralization is going to win out in the end. Um, and I think it's, it's going to be a, a big definition of, you know, the 2020s um, for the whole entire world. You know, this idea of decentralization in everything, in all the markets, as being the sort of mainstay, you know, in the 2010s, centralization was the big, big thing for everyone, right? Facebook, Instagram, Google, uh, Uber, right? Everyone centralized because that was the that was where the market really wanted. Uh, but now we're seeing a, a market shift, right? This idea of people wanting centralization over centralization, um, seeing people really buy into this idea of, you know, I want to see these smaller creators and I want to be able to invest in these smaller creators. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a big, big shift for the whole entire, you know, world really. Um, and I, I think we're really trying to play off of that with kickback yeah. and I'm, I'm excited for the, for the future. I'm excited for what we're doing. Um, you know, obviously Spotify is a big player. I'm just hoping that, you know, our sort of attempt at decentralizing podcasts is a big enough play for us to, you know, shake some things up. That's good. And that's a good transition point. Uh, I, I, there's one, there's two questions that I ask every guest that I have not asked you yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first one that I have for you is uh, how do you define web three? I think I have an idea from your last answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I really think decentralization is a big, big part of web three. Um, you know, like I said, you know, before I, I really see it as a centralized versus decentralized podcast platforms. Um, you know, decentralization is playing a big part in the whole entire creator economy. And I think it hasn't touched podcasts yet. You know, you look at the podcast industry, there isn't a big Web3 podcast player. You know, the big uh, player that we're playing against is an app called Fountain. They have 2,000 followers on Twitter. They're like basically unknown. Um, so there isn't a big player in podcasting yet. I think, you know, we're trying to be that sort of early mover, bringing all those really exciting smart contract development on top of this sort of idea of decentralization and really play a part in this idea of decentralizing podcasting. And for me, I really see, you know, when people think of crypto or Web3, they immediately go to DeFi, right? Decentralized finance things such as, um, you know, Coinbase or Uniswap or these, uh, these you know, lending protocols. Um, for, for me, I think where Web3 is really going to make an impact is in this creator economy. You know, creators have long, for a long time, been underpaid and undervalued by these platforms. Platforms have taken everything from these creators, right? Facebook doesn't pay anything to their creators on the platform. Instagram doesn't pay anything. Snapchat sort of pays uh, with their with their reels. TikTok sort of pays with their grant program, uh, with their creator fund, sorry. Um, but, you know, right now, these big platforms, they're really giving nothing to the creators. And for us, we're, we're a creator platform. Um, and we will forever be a creator platform. You know, I think that's the value of what we're bringing. Uh, we're trying to play, create the best place for podcast creators 
to make money, to connect with their fans, and for fans to you know earn money for for their attention on the platform. Um, and I think it's a big value add for everyone. Um, you know, I'm really excited for it. Um, I think it's a big big addition for you know everyone involved. Um, and we just have to you know, like I said way way earlier, just gotta play on the ideas that we're creating and create the technology behind it. You know, we've we've created a full website and app basic podcast player and now we're creating this sort of listen to earn aspect on top of it and then eventually creating these nft fan communities all within um, you know end of the year uh, we're currently deciding on which chain we're we're going to put it on but yeah i mean it's, it's a really exciting space i think web3 is really really important for DeFi, but i think it's even more important for the crypto economy cool so uh my final closing question is uh about the future uh, where do you see yourself in Web3 in the next six to 12 months? And then where do you see yourself in Web3 in the next five to 10 years? And you can be as outrageous <laughs> as you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, last last week, uh, my guest told me there was going to be a live people NFT where people's faces were getting melted and their heads were getting <laughs> chopped off. So yeah. <laughs> if that, not, not to put you on the spot, but just I don't so know you know, that, far, but. <laughs> <laughs> that is how wild it gets on here at Web3 yeah. with me. Um, yeah, I mean, in six, 12 months, I, 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 I see, you know, and I've seen it early, you know, we're getting real interest from podcasters to create these NFT fan communities, right? I think this idea of web three NFT fan communities for big time creators is really attractive. Um, you know, we've seen it with acquired, we've seen it with bankless HQ. They have these massive discords and slacks with thousands of members, um, but they really haven't monetized that, right? Acquired sort of has with their $99 uh, subscription. Um, but, you know, a lot of these other podcasts haven't really created that same type of thing. Um, you know, for me, I think I'm really passionate. I think for us, you know, I've had other people that say, listen, earn is where we're really going to grow. For me, I think this NFT fan communities could massively change the podcast industry um, in the next six to 12 months. We just have to create, you know, the the technology behind it. Um, you know, in six, 12 months, I think for podcasts, you know, I really believe there's going to be a big web three podcast player out there in the next, you know, 12 to 24 months. Um, you know, I'm terrified, right? I think we're, I, I constantly tell my developers and my team, I'm like, we're not moving fast enough. You know, like there is going to be a big, big web three podcast player that is going to make massive market moving changes. Um, you know, and I tell everyone I work with, right? I'm like, that got to be us. Like, I am not going to sit here and, you know, be like, man, if I did this, I did that. We could have been the next Spotify, right? Like, I think for us, we're trying to be that early mover and really bring in a lot of these exciting Web3 technology um, in the next six to 12 months and hopefully outbeat uh, the next big Web3 player. Um, I think it's, you know, Web3 podcasting is coming soon. Um, you know, people may look at the market and see nothing. Um, I'm telling you, six, 12 months, uh, 24 months even, there's going to be tons and tons of people in it. Um, you know, we're just trying to move fast enough to be that that top that top dog, right, in the in the next uh, couple months. Um, you know, for us, I think it's, it's really important to quickly move. I think Web3 and podcasting is going to be massively changed in the next uh, couple months. Um, you know, in five to 10 years, I... You know, I envision a ton of these podcasts being all Web3. Um, you know, for me, I'm very, very into this idea of, you know, abstracting away a lot of these really intense Web3 ideas. You know, not everyone knows what Ethereum gas is and 
all these, like how a MetaMask wallet works. I think it's all very confusing for the normal day user. And a lot of people that are in Web3, they say, oh, you know, they're just going to figure it out, right? No one knew the internet in the 2000s. Now everyone knows the internet. But, you know, I would say in argument to that, you know, not a lot of people know what, how a website works, right? They just go on ESPN or Google and they click into a little input button and they press enter, right? That's really all that's happening. They, they can't tell you that there's a back end and a front end and all this fancy stuff going on because um, it's all abstracted away. And I think a lot of the stuff with Web3 is going to be abstracted away in five to 10 years. Um, you know, for me, I envision kickback. A lot of the technology we're going to be creating is going to be put into the back end. Um, I think with Web3 as a whole, I think you're going to be able to go onto a app or a website and you're not going to even know how Web3 really works. You're just going to know what it, like everyone knows what an NFT is. Everyone knows how to buy, um, you know, everyone can figure out how to buy crypto. Um, I think in five to 10 years, it's going to be as simple as clicking a button. Like you're going to download an app, you're going to put in your email and, or your, your bank, your bank account or whatever, and you're going to press buy now and it's just going to buy and it's going to be super, super easy. Um, you know, for me, I think what I, it's this sort of controversial, um, you know, I think Google and Apple are really going to be some of the biggest players in this, in this sort of wallet ecosystem. You know, right now, MetaMask is the biggest player and everyone says, you know, these web two companies are going to figure it out. I, I would say that, you know, Apple and Google aren't stupid. They, they know what's going on. Um, they have massive advantages. You know, Apple podcast is a not, not a great app. It's a, it's a decent app, right? Like it, but it isn't something that people like love and adore like Spotify. Right. And yet because Apple has that advantage of having phones, right. They have this massive advantage of that sort of native app. Um, and I think once that, once Apple and Google create this sort of abstracted wallet on top of either Google Chrome or Android app or Android phone or the uh, Apple phone, it's going to massively open the market. Um, you know, Apple has been very, very anti-crypto and for good reason, right? In the app store, they, they take 30% of every collectible item bought from an app, which is insane. Like I'll say right now, like we're creating app, like a podcast, podcast platform is a app experience. It is insane how much they take. Um, and so they're, they're taking this approach of being very anti-crypto, um, which I think is the wrong approach, wrong approach. I think if they are able to create a wallet in the next five, 10 years, that is put onto every single phone that every single person has, that is going to make them 10 times the amount of money that they're making from the app store. Um, and I think that's really, really the, where the big, big thing's going to happen in the next five, 10 years. You know, these web two companies have to move fast. Like I know it's going to hurt their business model in the short term, but in the long term, they got to make these big changes. You know, we've seen with Meta, right? Or Facebook or whatever they want to call it. If there's another name change in the next five, 10 years, but uh, with Meta, they're, they're taking this big approach of, hey, we want to be um, the next, you know, this idea of the metaverse, right? I don't think they're going to figure it out. But, you know, I think all these Web2 companies are going to take this big stab into this Web3 idea and, you know, say we want to be either privacy like Apple, we want to be either the metaverse like Facebook or and then Google and Uber and all these other companies, they're going to figure out where they're going to be placed into that. Um, so I think the next five to 10 years, it's going to be big, big companies you know, companies that we thought can never fail, right? The, that Google, like Netflix, we've seen is already failing, right? Never, everyone would have said Netflix is going to be here for, for forever, right? You know, it's Fang, 
is Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, right? Like there goes Netflix, right? Wait, what can happen to Google or Facebook, right? There's, there's big things happening. I think these companies that you think would never fail could potentially fail in the next five, 10 years. And I think Web3 is going to play a part in that. Cool. Well, that was a great answer. Thank you very much, Alexander. I've really enjoyed the conversation and uh, enjoyed getting to know you. I'm sure we're going to be spending a lot more time together uh, <laughs> as we both are huge Web3 advocates. So thanks, man. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It was a, it was a pleasure. Thanks for joining Web3 with me. Make sure to follow us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review as it'll help us reach more people. If you want to connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter at offedge underscore. Thanks for vibing in the verse with me and hope you'll join us next time.